Welcome to Empowering Chats with Susan Burrell. This is where I help strong, capable women excavate the inner garbage in their life so they can become more confident and have more clarity on who they are and how they really want to be in the world. We have rich, juicy conversations about, yeah, you guessed it, empowerment, but also about radiating your brilliance and loving yourself more than you ever have in your life. And who doesn't want that? So join me now for another empowering chat. Hey, everyone. So it's now February 2022. Wow. And the theme for this month is envelop. And, and when that came across uh, with our team, we decided on these theme words. When that show, one showed up, I was like, oh, envelop. It felt like putting on a, a really cozy blanket and being enveloped in love. It, it also can mean um, being in an enclosure or a container. So are you choosing this month to be enveloped in love and light and joy? Or are you choosing to be enclosed in a container? I think we've all been enclosed in a container enough over the last couple of years. So I want to support you in, in just wrapping yourself up in love, feeling that energy, that uh, divine, loving brilliance of love surround you and envelop you as you continue to move forward in 2022. Meanwhile, take a listen to our show. So today I have a, a really wonderful, lovely uh, guest who's joining me and I can feel myself falling in love with her uh, and the work that she's done throughout her life, the, the many books she's written. But today we're gonna talk with Connie Zweig and we're gonna talk about her latest book that is The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul. The Inner Work of Age. Connie, thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Susan. And I'm happy to have the opportunity to chat with you. So I'm excited to hear. Okay, I, I just want everybody to know, I, I said this to Connie before, but this, is, this, this book is like a treasure trove, um, not only for those of us that are in our <laughs> years, but uh, also I'm seeing in it, there are assistants there's places where it will assist you if you are the current jam in the sandwich, you know, the person that is uh, the caregiver of a, 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 an elderly parent and or still taking care of your kids. So I think that this you've covered so much, Connie, I so appreciate it. So um, I want to read something from the very beginning because it caught me and this is in the in the prologue. Um, you say you can discover how to reorient orient by turning within attuning to your soul's longing and cultivating a deep shift in awareness you can discover how to move through the passage of late life as a right releasing past forms facing the unknown emerging renewed as an elder filled with vitality and purpose. And I don't know how you knew that that's been my prayer every day for the last seven months. I don't know about the elder part, but the vitality and being renewed and all that. I, I really, I'm, I'm excited to, 
to dive deep into this. So um, a little bit about why you decided this was the time, because you've done a lot of shadow work. You've written several books on the shadow. Why don't, why don't you explain to everybody what the shadow actually is? Because I think a lot of people assume they know. Okay, let's start there. So um, the shadow is a term that was coined by Carl Jung early in the field of psychology. Um, and he gave it that name to refer to the personal unconscious, the part of us that carries everything we repress and don't live out. And according to Freud, that was all bad stuff. It was right. all of our evil inclinations. But according to Jung, one of his brilliant insights is anything can get buried in the shadow, in the unconscious. So when we're little children and we're, we want the love and approval of our parents, if they punish us for being angry and expressing anger, then our, we learn eventually to adapt to that and our feelings of anger get repressed mm -hmm. and buried in the shadow. If they shame us when we're sad because it makes them feel like a failure or uncomfortable or whatever reason, then we learn because we want their approval not to be sad. And all those feelings of sorrow, grief, depression get buried into the shadow. But there's a lot of other content in the shadow besides our feelings. So for example, if you grow up in a family that um, really values athletic talent, but not artistic talent, and you're a gifted drawer and painter as a kid, that gets buried in the shadow. You don't get a chance to express it and live it out. And so then later in life, you might find yourself dreaming about being an artist of some kind. I had a, um, I have a friend who had a son and this was, this man was raising his two boys by himself. He was ex-military. He moved into law enforcement and his older son was this highly artistic, intuitive, sensitive, sensitive soul. And my friend, you know, while he put all his artwork up on the refrigerator, my friend never understood that's who his son was. And so he was constantly, it was very, it was very heartbreaking to watch. He was not seeing his child for who he was. And eventually his son became a hardcore alcoholic and died of alcoholism. Oh. So, and I just am presenting that as one of the many stories of, of, when we aren't, when our parents aren't necessarily aware enough to take care of us, it, it does become at some point our turn to take care of us and to parent ourselves. And some, those of us that are, can't handle that early shaming and damage can often just end up in a miserable existence. So yes, the shadow so, is very important to address. It's very important. And so that was an unfortunate parent-child match in terms of their inherent natures and their personalities yeah. and their types. And, you know, the father didn't know how to relate to someone 
who was so sensitive and artistic. But I would say even more than that, Susan, my guess is that those traits in his son triggered the father's shadow. Yes. So that he was uncomfortable around those. Maybe he judged them as effeminate. Maybe they were not like masculine enough traits for him. And that made him anxious. And in order to control his own feelings, he treated his son X, Y, Z. We don't know. Right. So, you know, um, so parenting your child's shadow is a whole other subject and not what we're talking about today. But um, in the context of age, and let me, let me say one more thing. The shadow is not some corner of the mind, which is how people picture it. Yes. You know, the body and mind are functionally identical, right? They're completely interconnected. And so our shadow material is in the body. It's in our cells and our muscles. It's in, it, it's in all of us. It's not only like in some corner of the brain or mind. Okay. So um, as we age through the lifespan, the content in the shadow changes. So when we get to midlife and we need to focus on, I call it empire building, you know, creating financial security, for a family, um, contributing to the world in some form through our work, then certain other traits and feelings and behaviors get stuffed into the shadow during that time. I mean, can you imagine, you know, saying to your boss, I need time to daydream now, you know? Yeah, I it need gets awfully create... crowded in there, doesn't right, it? Right, right. So this is going on throughout our lives. And, um, What's important is not only what gets stuffed away, because some people might be listening and say, who cares? It's stuffed away in the closet. It doesn't matter. But what happens is that it erupts. And we meet the shadow every day in our lives. When we, for example, find ourselves in the clutches of an addiction, there's a part of us that's out of control that feels like it can't be tamed. That's what I call a shadow character. Mm -hmm. Or in the story that you described, that son had an inner child that was unseen and that then acted out, you know, probably in ways to be seen. Right. And to be heard. Right. And to be and, loved. And to be loved. And so we all do this in certain ways. I worked for 30 years with clients and I saw this every day in couples. Um, when someone is constantly critical, that's a part of them that's sabotaging the intimacy from their shadow. Uh -huh. When uh -huh. someone is pursuing or distancing or choosing the wrong partner over and over again, that's a shadow character emerging. And another way we meet the shadow is in our projections. So if we you know, meet a stranger and we say, oh, she's so seductive or he's so lazy or whatever it is, and we don't know the people. That's a part of ourselves that we're unconsciously attributing to the other person. And so we're meeting a shadow every day and in our politics now, oh, every God. minute, right? Every right. minute of every day. So, so that's why it's important because um, not only because of what gets unlived, but also because of how it erupts and sabotages us. 
So I had written um, Meeting the Shadow uh, is an anthology. It's a collection of experts about this topic. And then I authored Romancing the Shadow with another person, another psychologist. And that book is mostly about how to work with the shadow, the method of shadow work in relationships. And then as I entered my late 60s, I started to feel disoriented because I was thinking about retiring from clinical practice. And I started researching in the aging literature and realized there was nothing about the unconscious as we age. You know, what are the images, beliefs, and attitudes right. that we carry in the right. shadow about old? Okay. Right. And so I noticed that you didn't say your age. You were uncomfortable when you, you sort of went, oh, that certain age, right? And so there are these feelings of discomfort, embarrassment, self-rejection, shame that kind of come up, not only for women, for everyone in this culture, because we live in an ageist culture. Ageism is institutionalized. It's in our healthcare system, in our education system, in our housing, you know, in our in our social safety net policies, and all kinds of things. In our media, our yes. media presentations of older adults are often patronizing and um, you know, people are laughed at and people are looked at with contempt. And when I know when I was growing up, there were all kinds of television shows. Remember, all in the family where the older woman was just laughed at all the time. Right. So we live, we swim in this. Mm -hmm. And so there was nothing written about this. And I was really shocked and disappointed. And so I realized that I had one more book to write. I hadn't planned on it, but you know, there it was. I have this contribution to make. And so I decided to kind of explore the shadows of age and how we can break free of them. So Connie, explain to everybody in the book, you talk about there's three portals of age. So explain to everybody what those are that you've uncovered and, um, and then maybe how we navigate as we come into those portals. So a portal for me is an opening in our awareness. And what I'm suggesting is that there are three openings that contribute to our shifting from senior to elder, right? Because everybody becomes a senior at their Medicare birthday in our society, right? But yeah. not everyone becomes an elder. Right. And you know, when you said elderly, it kind of, jarred me because we hear elderly and then we hear elder and we think they're the same thing. Uh -huh. But an elder is a conscious adult, older adult, who has these three portals open. One is self-awareness of the shadow that we've been talking about. So enough awareness to know how certain things in the unconscious that have been sacrificed and lost over our lives might be affecting us. For instance, a lost dream, you know, or fantasy, um, or uh, I mean, my friend Phil, who's 73, just said to me, I've got to write that novel. I've been wanting to do it my whole life. 
If I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? So enough awareness to notice um, what is in the shadow and whether we want to reclaim it now. Do we want to express a wider range of feelings than we've been able to? Do we need to um, heal a certain wound that we've been working on in therapy? How can we complete that? Do we need to give and receive forgiveness and reconcile relationship? So shadow awareness. Another one is what I call pure awareness, which is my terminology for a silent mind that we can experience in contemplative practice, whether it's prayer or meditation or um, yoga or chanting, whatever the practice centering prayer. Um, when we experience a quiet mind, it takes us beyond ego. It connects us to something larger than ourselves. And so that is an important portal for becoming an elder because our later years are not about expanding our egos. No. Right? They're about allowing our egos to begin to recede and connecting to something greater, whatever we call that, soul or spirit or self, whatever we call it. And the third portal is mortality awareness because there's so much denial of death in our culture. And I would say um, that started to change with COVID. Yes. Because so many people saw death all around and were touched by death perhaps with a loss. And so I would say that there's some lifting now, some opening of this portal of mortality awareness. But my guess is that if the pandemic um, really slows down and improves, that will close again. Because we're this youth-oriented culture, because death is not open in the way that it is in other cultures, you know, like I was in India where the cremations are just out in the open and everybody knows about this is what's happening. So, um, so those are the three portals. Pure awareness, shadow awareness, and mortality awareness. So Connie, let me ask you a couple of questions about, about these because um, what you've just described, and then I want to circle around to the awareness about death, but <clears throat> what you just described sounds like it takes a lifetime to get there, right? I mean, what, what about the people that are finally hitting their ripe old age of, mm -hmm, and and they wake up and go, whoa, wait. I mean, is there hope for them to get to this awareness of their shadow self and begin to understand their spiritual side and tap into it in a, in a way that's going to support them the rest of their life? So I think it's really hard to generalize about this. Okay. Um, you know, there are millions of baby boomers who have been in therapy, who have practiced meditation, who have taken a lot of sort of developmental steps even before um, they've entered this stage of life. And so I think when those people pick up the book, it's gonna be a natural progression for them, right? Right. There are, and, and the book is set up so that it's like a rite of passage 
So if you start from the beginning and you walk through the practices that are in each chapter, you will be changed when you come out the other side of it. So if you start that process without so much experience of inner work, mm-hmm. you know, you haven't been in therapy or you haven't had a contemplative practice or you, um, or you don't have financial security or you um, um, don't have a family situation that you're happy with, you know, or you had an early trauma that hasn't been worked through. I mean, these are all possibilities for, you know, millions of people. Right. So then the book will be a different experience for you. So then you want to go slowly, give yourself a lot of time to digest it, to under first to understand it and then to experience the exercises. Or you can go through it and just pick out what interests you. Like I would say, um, some of those folks who haven't done a lot of inner work could do the life review oh, without, great. without a problem. And that was a profound experience for me to do that practice. That's a fabulous practice. I've done it a few times, actually. So I teach in the book how you walk through step by step your ego's story and what it means. And then looking at the unlived life in the shadow. Mm-hmm. and how it connects to your lived out life mm-hmm. and what what kind of patterns you see that you hadn't seen before so for me for example I saw um, a thread in the tapestry of my life that was really surprising I had had four careers and I thought they were really distinct I was a meditation teacher and then I was a journalist and book editor Um, and an author, and um, a therapist. How do those connect, right? But what I saw was they were all about the transmission of information about consciousness. Oh, yes, how perfect. And so there was this deep underlying pattern in my life that I discovered, and it was so gratifying. And I also found when I looked back at sort of some of the most traumatic experiences and my harshest teachers, that each of those actually opened a door to something else. And something better. Well, a new beginning. Okay. You know, it was almost like, okay, there was a loss. And then these years later, there was a gain, there was a new, there was a more mature understanding or there was, or it led me to meet a mentor or a therapist, or it led me to a book. And so I could just see how the unfolding of my own life, first of all, was not in my control. My husband calls me master of the universe. I mean, I'm giving up master of the universe. (laughs) I'm just giving it up. Right. It's just, it's an illusion. And so there were many things that I learned from that. And I would recommend that to people who might be scared and feel unready for some of the other chapters. Okay, a life review. Life review, everybody. Um, Yeah, and then get, and and I love about giving up uh, the control. I know uh, many people, you know, as they come into their 70s, 80s, 90s, 
my grandfather lived to be 100. Yes. Uh, so coming into that, the biggest thing was letting go of control, you know, and, and this is the point where in this age bracket, people are making choices of, of changing where they live, you know, moving into independent slash assisted living. And what does that really mean? And, and I, and I know that, uh, having been around several assisted living places that many people enter in there with vitality and life, but after a while that vitality and life can be worn down because of the, I want to say the energy of so many people that are not necessarily awake, aware, and choosing to be vital. Yeah, you know, the age segregation in housing is really heartbreaking. And it, it, it's, you know, the family structure has changed. Yep. And um, so people aren't necessarily taking care of their grandparents or then their parents. And, you know, um, we saw that so clearly during the pandemic with the nursing home crises. Yes. Yeah. And I think many people, uh, well, like my, my father, um, he, he wanted to still be the caregiver for my mom, but he, there was an inner part that knew he needed some help. And they, yeah. so they, he agreed to move to assisted living and she, she passed last year and he's now, I'm so grateful because if they had been in their home and my mom passed away, he would never leave. And that home was not a safe environment anymore yeah. for yeah. so many reasons. Yeah. So, and now he's okay with, with the apartment he's in. He's not necessarily okay in uh, talking to other residents that live there because he feels surrounded by death. Uh, you know, and, and like you said earlier, this is the, this is his shadow. This is the way his mind is perceiving and projecting out what he is actually most afraid of. Mm -hmm. So, and I know that that must be true for so many people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Part of the reason, part of the motivation for the inner work of age is um, to prepare for life completion. And there are a lot of steps that we can take to do that so that we can die in peace. There are many, many steps, both internally and interpersonally, that we can take to be able to, um, you know, reach greater fulfillment and die in peace. So Connie, list, could you just name a couple of the inner steps for people? Sure. So, um, well, the first one is breaking through denial. Because if we deny death, then we don't have the opportunity to really take advantage of all these years that we've been given. You know, Susan, it's the first time in history that people have lived to 100, that yeah. we have this incredible longevity from retirement until the end, decades now. And, and many people are maintaining their health during that time. And so they can do all kinds of things. So we're, and we're seeing that, you know, we're seeing, you know, um, I just saw Jane Fonda, who's 82, launched a new organization 
for elders who want to fight climate change. I oh, mean, how fabulous. so many interesting things going on among elders in, in the states. So, but, but if we don't, if we deny that we have a limited time horizon, then there's no urgency. It's just another day. And so what? Like someone said to me the other day, oh, I'm 70, I have plenty of time. So she's not acknowledging the reality of her body's age, right? Her chronological right. age. Right. And what that might mean to what she wants to do differently. So breaking through denial is the first step. And then asking ourselves, you know, some serious questions like, what will I regret on my deathbed if I don't do now? And is that saying something to someone? Is that a creative project? Is that um, some kind of contribution or legacy? You know, is that something about your grandkids? I mean, what, what is that potential regret on your deathbed, which you could eliminate now? Right, you could take care, take care of business in a way yes. by addressing it. And that seems so, um, to me, uh, it's about speaking truth to yourself too, not, not just hiding from death, but hiding from yourself. And yes. if, you, if you can actually acknowledge these things within, if we could, if I could, well, th this is the work I've been doing all my life anyway, but um, acknowledge what is it. And, and in the book, at one point you're, you were saying to ask, who am I now? Who am I now? And what's, and, 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 and then I would add, and what's mine to do right now? Yes. And Jane Fonda creating a, uh, whether or not you all like Jane Fonda out there, not the point. Uh, it's not the point, you know, uh, but being an elder who is doing something proactive because she's feeling led to and she has the resources to yes. is, is important instead of just sitting around waiting. Right. So the question we can we can ask ourselves, what is the gift that only I can give? Ooh, I like that. Yes. And, you know, for me, chills, the, the got... answer for me was this book. Wow. Because no one else can write about the shadows of age yes. the way that I can, right? So that was my, I heard the call, but I also had to heed the call and follow through. And follow through. In order to give my gift. Yeah. So, um. You know, there's no talk in our culture about this process of life completion, and it's partly because of the denial of death and the message that we're all supposed to stay young right? and do anti-aging. Someone just sent me um, this morning a message someone wanted to interview me, and I went on the website, and it was all about anti-aging, how to stay young. Yeah. So, you know, it's a lot more mainstream than what i'm saying mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well so and, it is, the, and yeah. that and that anti-aging movement mm -hmm. uh does feed the denial that exactly. eventually your life as you know it in this realm is going to uh be discontinued right exactly yeah um 
So let's come back to who am I? Because you raised a really important question, another question that we really need to be asking ourselves. And, um, you know, it's the timeless spiritual question, right? Mm -hmm. Every spiritual tradition asks, who am I? And some of them even offered that in itself as a practice. Just to it's sit. a very good practice. It's right. one I've employed this year. Right. So it comes up because most of us identify with what I call the doer, right? And the doer or the driver is the part of us that gets things done, um, achievement, productivity, success, and our self-image that's attached to that. And that's what the culture, you know, this consumer culture encourages that. Yes. So we're in the empire building stage and we're so identified with the doer that we don't, that's who we, that's who we are. We go to a party and meet someone. And the first thing we tell them is what we do. Right. That's how we introduce ourselves. So then what happens with retirement? And you then stop doing what you you stop doing your identity thing. You lose the role identification. Hence the, the subtitle of your book, Shifting from Role to Soul. Yes. You lose the role identification. So I'm a CEO. That's who I am. I'm a therapist, the shadow expert. That's who I am. I'm a mom or a provider. That's who I am, right? But those are fleeting Yes. And they're going to fall away or you become ill. I mean, you get a serious illness and all of a sudden you can't do, do, do in fifth gear anymore. So who am I now? And people fall into identifying with patient or victim mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as another role right? or caregiver as another role. So my deepest intention with the book is to provide people with a spiritual orientation as these roles fall away and encourage people to find a practice. And I'm not advocating one practice. There are many of them in the book. Find a practice that really resonates with you. It could be it from your tradition, your lineage, or it could be from somewhere else, but it needs to fit who you are now. And begin to practice, I am not a CEO, I am a soul, I am spirit, I am God, I am the self, the higher self, the divine, whatever word, consciousness, whatever word works for you. Yesterday, someone said to me, um, I am the interconnection with everything. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, she said she doesn't want a transcendent word. She wants like an ecological, I am the interconnection with everything. So, you know, find an image or an idea that fits for you and begin to practice turning your attention from your role identity to your essential spiritual nature. I, you know, I have to say, Connie, that is, um, that's a lot of what we talk about on Empowering Chats. 
um, because it's it's my personal belief and practice. And um, and what I find it at when I make time to dive into that practice and be with me and uncover my shadow side and deal with the little girl that didn't get seen and heard or or whatever you know the he done me wrong stuff whatever right. it is my life uh kind of it evens out in a way right it becomes it feels more um gentle certainly loving and kind. And so I just want to encourage everybody to, to really think about what Connie's talking about, because you can start right now, right, Connie, you don't have to wait. And if you're, uh, if you're not of a certain age, you know, if you're not in your 60s, 70s, 80s, and you're listening to this, start right now. I think this book is probably great for any age. I just had a 30 year old contact me and, and to thank me and say, he's going to age in a totally different way now. It, it, I got yeah. chills again. I got yeah. chills because, because yeah. this is, I'm so grateful you wrote this book, the inner work of aging, because it's time. It's time. And the, and certainly what we've seen over the last, Oh God, I don't know. Not just the last, two years, but you know, it's like we have got as a, as individuals and then a collective, we've got to wake up and, and why not do it in preparation for where you're going next? Yeah. Because this is the only bus stop here. Well, and it doesn't depend on beliefs, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't depend on circumstances. People can do practices when they're still remaining at work. Yes. It doesn't depend on health because I tell stories in the chapter on illness about how people work with these practices when they're ill. Two of my closest friends died while I was writing the book. So I really had a profound experience of this. So it doesn't depend on conditions. We can use the conditions of our aging to make this internal shift in awareness, to create a natural monastery inside ourselves. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And a sanctuary. A sanctuary and work with our attention and attune, you know, that's shadow awareness, attune to what's coming up in your inner dialogue and learn how to work with it. Because a lot of stuff comes up as we age. Yeah, I'm not romanticizing it. I'm not saying there won't be challenges and limitations. But I'm saying that in a way, I guess I'm saying age is our curriculum. You You said that in the book, too. And I was like, oh, I like that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying we can use whatever is going on to um, continue our development and extend it into our later life. Connie Zweig, thank you so much. Again, I said it at the beginning. I want to say it again. Thank you. Thank you for the work you have done, the work you continue to do. I love that you answered this particular call because I I know with, with this book in my hand, in my library now, I know it is already, I can feel it, already changing the course of my particular Beautiful trajectory. So the book is called The Inner Work of Age, Shifting from Role to Soul. Connie Zweig, she has a a website, Mm conniezweig.com. Anything else you want to say? 
Well, I'm doing a lot of online workshops. If you're interested in the experiential uh, meetings, they're listed on Connie'sWag.com. You can find them there. Um, there is a conference coming up on the inner work of age. Oh, uh, it's a three-day deep dive with Thomas Moore and all kinds of depth psychologists and spiritual teachers also. Um, focusing when is that, on Connie? November 12th, 13th, and 14th. Okay, this, and, we're, this may air after that time frame, but okay. people can still go and see about the work. Yeah. On your okay. site. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So, yeah. So thank you. I'm deep bow of gratitude to you. I'm so glad we met. Me too. I, I so appreciate, again, I'm not just gushing just to gush. I just really appreciate you and, and our conversation today. So I'm just going to end with, and so it is, namaste. Well, that wraps up our empowering chat today. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, go to susanburrell.com. You can see all of the information about my new book, Live an Empowered Life, a 30-Day Journey. You can also access guided meditations that I have on Insight Timer through the website. And just see what else is out there on my site that you might find empowering and exciting to experience. You can also contact me through the website at Susan at SusanMorell.com. So that's it for today. See you next time. <laughs>